Good morning, church family. Uh, our Bible reading today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 6, starting in verse 8 and continuing to verse 15. So this is Acts, chapter 6, verse 8 through 15. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogue of the freed men, as it was called the Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law, they seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stops speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Thank you, Monica. Maybe you're wondering, uh, Jonathan, you do have some new artwork up this week. That's kind of my gimmick uh, for this COVID-19 pandemic. This is a, uh, I think it's either a watercolor or acrylic. I'm not really an artist, so I'm not quite sure. Uh, it looks like a watercolor to me, but then it has some like very fine brush strokes. It's of uh, Prince Edward Island in Canada. We have a couple of these, um, these, I guess you call them a painting uh, up in my uh, in our living room, and I just really enjoy this one. It's just a beautiful thing. Uh, it doesn't really tie into today's message, but it's a way to just appreciate uh, beauty and art as we go into today's message. So today I want to talk about what it means to follow Jesus. And before we do that, I'm going to just say a prayer uh, for the message. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity to learn about following Christ. I pray that we would uh, know Christ Jesus, know him more, and follow him. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So the question today is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? I think this is such a key question, such an important question, because that's really what it means to be a Christian. To follow means to love and obey Jesus, to, to understand his teachings, to, to go after him. And the book of Acts actually calls the very first Christians the way. The way. I love that. It's kind of like this almost Eastern, like, mystical way of describing Christianity, the way. So before they were called Christians, uh, before we were called Christians, we were called the way. Uh, and, and that was named after Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, and we see what the way is like. Jesus actually talks a little bit about what the way looks like in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, when Jesus says, Then he said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their crosses daily and follow me. Wow, whoever wants to follow Jesus has to deny themselves, take up their crosses daily and follow him. See, the way of Jesus requires us to deny our flesh. That means like kind of those, those simple urges, those desires within us. It requires us to deny our passions, even sometimes our wants, maybe even our needs so that we can follow Jesus. We, it requires us to obey him, to trust him, to know him, to be in relationship with him. 
Now, a man named Stephen is a member of the way. Uh, he's one of the leaders of the early church. He's not one of the apostles, which are kind of like the ultimate authorities, those, those head authorities in the church. He's actually more of like a deacon type figure. He's not called that, but he's a servant hearted individual. He's caring for the needs of the people. He's actually like preaching the gospel and doing like miraculous signs and wonders as well. Uh, but he's a member of uh, this, this congregation. He's a member of the church, member of the way. Uh, he's taking care of the Greek-speaking widows. And in him, we see an example of some someone picking up their cross daily and following Jesus Christ. And it actually ends up costing him everything. He pays a steep price to follow Jesus. And what I want to, you to take away from this message today is that Jesus is calling you to, to, to take up your cross daily and follow him as well. And it costs you everything as well. Now, you, you might not have to pay the same price that Stephen paid. You might not have to literally give up your life. Uh, but Jesus does call us to be a living sacrifice, to give our lives daily to Christ Jesus. That's what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian is not just to say a prayer and kind of get your golden tickets. Uh, this isn't Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, this is following after Christ. Now, I've been thinking a little bit how this ties into Memorial Day. So tomorrow is Memorial Day. Uh, Memorial Day is a day when we honor the memories of those who have died uh, in, in war, in the serving our military, serving our country. It's a, it's a solemn day. You know, it's not particularly happy today. I know we do like barbecues and cookouts, but it's kind of, if you think about it, it's like, oh, wow, we're celebrating those who have died. We're remembering them who have paid that sacrifice. And They've given up their lives on our behalf. And today, as we look at Stephen, I want this to be a little bit of a Memorial Day for us as well, because we're remembering Stephen. Stephen gave up his life on our behalf. He gave up his life to share the gospel with the people in Jerusalem and to, to, to make new converts. And I think it's fair to say that even we uh, are, are kind of the beneficiaries of Stephen's ministry, Stephen's uh, gospel preaching because it's through his death that well the gospel began to spread to Judea and Samaria and then eventually to the ends of the earth and what we see uh, Stephen doing is waging a battle he is waging a battle but not with weapons uh, that we might think of not with uh, any sort of uh, tool uh, that we can see except for sharing the gospel uh, preaching about Christ Jesus doing signs and wonders and uh, essentially, he's doing something very simple. He's taking up his cross, he's picking it up, and he's following Jesus. See, following Jesus means giving our everything to him. Following Jesus means giving our everything, giving our all, giving 110% to Jesus. Now, Stephen does that, and he actually becomes the first martyr in the Bible. And if we were to look at that Greek word for uh, witness uh, in the Bible, we would actually see the word witness is the Greek word martis, martis, which is where we get the word martyr. So when they were saying, oh, the martyrs, people were martyred for the gospel, well, it's because they were witnessing. They were sharing publicly about Jesus Christ and their faith in him and what he had done for them. And we actually see uh, Jesus saying something really interesting in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which is kind of like the big picture for the book of Acts. Jesus says, but you, so talking to his followers, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses you will be my martyrs. This doesn't mean you will all die, but you will all be my witnesses. And 
turns out that many of them do die, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So it's like this little explosion of, of first it starts in Jerusalem. That's where the gospel witness starts. And then it's literally through a martyrdom, Stephen, that the gospel begins to spread to, to Judea and all Samaria uh, and, and to the ends of the earth. It goes all the way to Rome. And so we see kind of this, this, this almost like ripple in a pond, right? Where someone throws a, a stone into a clear pond and then the gospel begins to, to spread, those ripples spread outward. And if you were to look at a map of the ancient Near East of, of Jerusalem and Israel, you would see this kind of pattern taking place. It's really quite beautiful. Uh, but then we see Stephen and the other believers begin to be persecuted. Verses 8 through 9 say this, now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. So God's grace is enabling Stephen uh, when all his kind of fellow Israelites, his fellow, fellow Jewish people, uh, begin to oppose him. And I think the first cost he begins to pay here, the first expense he begins to pay as he follows Christ is a social cost, as he is ostracized and opposed by the very community that he might have looked to for support. See, he sacrifices his social support system to follow Jesus. He sacrifices his social support system to follow Jesus. Now, maybe you can kind of relate to that right now because we're going through a pandemic and it seems to be financially a recession that's happening right now. Many people have lost their jobs there uh, and they're not allowed to be around other people that support them and care for them. And so you can kind of relate with what uh, Stephen went through where he uh, perhaps would lose money, uh, uh, lose the ability to even make money as uh, him and the other believers, as the Jewish community that didn't believe in Christ withdrew from the Christian believers and withdrew from him. Uh, and I think as we look at, uh, at Stephen, we see an interesting example because he was a Hellenist, right? He was a Greek-speaking Jew. And who is the synagogue that opposes him, that ostracizes him, that argues with him? It's the synagogue of the freedmen. Uh, see, the freedmen are those uh, Jewish people had been taken into captivity in other parts of the ancient world, like Rome, taken into slavery and somehow had earned their way out of slavery, paid their debts, and then returned to Jerusalem. So these are probably Greek-speaking Jews. They're the kind of people that, that uh, Stephen would feel comfortable with the kind of people that uh, Stephen would do business with, the kind of people that Stephen could go to for support, and yet they're turning their back on him because he believes in Jesus. See, Stephen is losing, losing his social and economic support system. Now, maybe uh, you can relate to that because you have a family uh, who doesn't want you to believe in Jesus or who has rejected Jesus. And so I think there's some encouragement in here that like, Man, even if I uh, lose money to know Christ, or even if I lose my family to know Christ, or even if my husband or my wife uh, doesn't want me to believe in Jesus and follow him, it's still worth it. It's still worth it. Stephen had the face of an angel by the end of this passage, and then he sees Christ Jesus. See, there's something about uh, following Christ at deep cost uh, that, that, that is then returned with a reward. That we get to know and experience God's grace. It says he was a man full of grace. That means he was touched by God. He was forgiven. He was healed. He knew God. 
back when I worked in uh, Washington, D.C., I, I talked to one of my coworkers. I think actually I was out on a business trip to, to Colorado. We had an office out in the Denver area. And I, I talked with one of my coworkers, and we were just sitting over lunch. I think we were having like burritos. And, uh, and he was a Jewish man. And uh, we talked about faith. We talked about Christianity and religion and, uh, and being Jewish. And I mentioned the idea of a Messianic Jew, right? So a Messianic Jew is someone who uh, is Jewish in identity uh, and heritage and yet believes that Christ Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Christ. Christ is just another word for Messiah. And so that Jesus is God's chosen king, God's chosen uh, ruler. And how he responded kind of brought this idea of social ostracism to life. And I don't want us to look down upon him uh, by any means. That's not what the point of this illustration is. The point of this illustration is just to kind of tell you how, uh, how someone reacted and, and how it spoke to me. Because what he said was something like this. So I said, you know, like, you can be a Messianic Jew, believe in Jesus, Jew who believes in Jesus. And he said, you can't be a Jew and a Christian. Uh, like, if you're a Christian, you're not a Jew. You're not a Jewish person. And that to me was just like fascinating, like, wow, like, uh, I, <laughs> like there was no room, there was no concept of being Jewish and being a follower of Jesus Christ, which is interesting because Jesus himself was Jewish, right? And uh, in his heritage and who he is. Uh, so as a, as, like, as a white American with German roots, uh, I don't understand the social cost of following Jesus. Like culturally, it has been easy for me to follow Christ. Uh, I love my parents. Uh, they raised me to be a Christian, right? And so it was a very supportive environment for following Jesus. But I know that's my story. And many of you come from different stories where it's been hard to follow Jesus. You have a parent or a sibling or a family member uh, who strongly disagrees with your faith in Christ Jesus. And I want you to be encouraged. Like Jesus looks on you with, with uh, love and with admiration. And I, I wasn't going to include this in today's sermon, but at the end of chapter 7, when, uh, when Stephen is, is preaching Christ, he is preaching uh, how, the, how they have rejected God's anointed one, it, it says he sees Jesus, and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And typically when Jesus is next to the right hand of God, he is sitting so there's something very significant about Jesus standing, that he is witnessing Stephen's sacrifice, the cost that Stephen paid. And so I want you to know this. If you have given up family or friends or employment uh, to know Christ Jesus, Jesus takes notice. Jesus stands. And, and he, he recognizes the cost that you have paid, and it will not go unrewarded. Uh, and so I just ruined my like sermon for two weeks out. But I think it's worth it. Uh, for you to be encouraged today that, that when we pay that social cost, like Jesus will reward us. And, and it's not just uh, people from Jewish communities, it's those from Muslim or Buddhist communities, or even uh, just um, maybe an atheist family or just anyone that's had a bad uh, experience with Christianity. It's like, don't become a Christian. Uh, but Jesus, uh, it, we know it's not about becoming a, a part of a religious group. It's about knowing Christ Jesus. It's about experiencing him. And, and I think Jesus will reward us when we give up those things to follow him. So the first cost is, is expensive. It's a social cost. But the second one uh, is uh, a cost of justice. See, Stephen experiences great 
injustice as he follows Jesus. Uh, look at how he is wrongly and unfairly accused in verses 11 through 14. Then they secretly, so they, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish uh, uh, kind of uh, Supreme Court, then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. Actually, this isn't the, the, the Sanhedrin yet. This is, uh, you know, the, the synagogue of the freedmen, those that are opposing Stephen. Verse 12, so they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. So, we see some significant injustices that Stephen is experiencing in this passage. Verse 11 Stephen is falsely accused of blasphemy. That's like cursing God's name, of, of, of denying that, that, that Yahweh is the one true God or, or, or kind of speaking poorly of Yahweh, the, the creator, the, the, the one the, the Jewish people believe to be God. Verse 12, Stephen is wrongly dragged before the Sanhedrin. That's the Jewish Supreme Court, the Supreme Court of Jerusalem. It's about 70 individuals. I can imagine it was very intimidating. Uh, religiously and uh, uh, economically and socially and politically powerful people. Verse 13, Stephen is wrongly accused by false witnesses. They make stuff up. And then verse 14, he is wrongly accused of wanting to destroy the temple and Moses's law. And so we're going to talk a lot more about that next week. If you come back, so we're going to be preaching through Acts chapter 7, a huge chunk. Uh, but he's being wrongly accused of those things. And you can imagine how this would feel incredibly unfair, right? People, it's like, oh, they're just jealous because I'm following the one true God. I'm performing, the, performing these signs and these wonders. I'm preaching about Jesus, the one that they crucified. And, and here they're going to drag me before this court and, and do what with me? Perhaps uh, put me to death. See, Stephen is experiencing great injustice and unfairness uh, in this situation he is even going to be treated cruelly. He's going to be stoned to death without a fair trial, like a mob is going to attack him and crush him with rocks. That's what's going to happen to this, this, this first martyr. And as we think about this and this, what's happening here in this moment and kind of in a broader cultural context about the moment that we live in, I think what Stephen is experiencing should give us... Uh, it, it can give us greater empathy uh, for anyone who has experienced injustice or who is experiencing injustice. I, I want to think that that's what they can do in my heart. Uh, and uh, so I think uh, I was just kind of thinking about all the different places that we see injustice and, and just even thinking about Memorial Day, right? Today is a day um, remembering those who have died and who have gone before us uh, in, in war. And even those who have died of like as prisoners of war uh, and just kind of the reality that wartime uh, hurts a lot of people, right? Uh, uh, civilians, soldiers, like people die. And uh, there are a lot of injustices that happen during wartime. And so just taking a moment and remembering all the pain and, uh, and, uh, and death that's associated with that. And, and like as Christians, as we look at our heritage and, and Stephen, like it should give us just a moment of sadness and empathy uh, for anyone who experiences suffering uh, during wartime. Uh, 
as, as we kind of think through even this week. And so tomorrow, as you pause and think of those who have died, you can also pause and, and remember Stephen and, and kind of think of, uh, uh, of how that helps us understand, right? Because we don't, I think we have a hard time understanding uh, events when it hasn't happened to us personally, right? Maybe we don't understand what's going on with COVID because, well, no one I know has gotten sick and therefore it's, it's kind of hard to imagine like the 100,000 people that have died. Uh, and as we look at uh, tragedies in our culture or in our world, in our history, we can think of Stephen and say, oh, well, Stephen is one of my brothers in Christ. Like he's one of my ancestors in Jesus. And so it helps us to have empathy for the events that happen all around us. Uh, more recently, I know the, the news has been kind of uh, so focused on COVID, but it didn't pay attention to it. We can think of uh, unjust suffering in, in kind of the black community. Maybe you've heard of Amud Arbery, a, a man who was unarmed. He was shot while he was jogging. Uh, or you've heard of Breonna Taylor, a woman who was uh, killed while sleeping in her own home. Uh, I, think, uh, I think this can give us greater empathy for them. As we think about our brother, Stephen, we think about them and, and, and just the, the terribleness of injustice. We can also think of like uh, the Jewish people, right? I remember back in 2018, the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting and how terrible that was. Uh, I don't know if people use this passage in particular, but I know uh, the Bible can be used. Some people use the Bible in order to justify racism and anti-Semitism against the, the, the Jewish people. And uh, like, that is hellish. That is hellish. You cannot uh, be uh, a racist and pro-Jesus. Like you can't be anti-Semitic and pro-Jesus. It's just not possible. And so uh, uh, this, this gives us um, greater empathy for the Jewish community. Uh, because they've also experienced suffering. Uh, and so it's amazing that as we think about Stephen and him, like it, it just gives us a greater empathy for those around us. At least I, I hope it can give me a greater empathy for those around me. So Stephen experienced great injustice following Jesus, and he paid the social cost, this, this cost to justice. Uh, but uh, he, he doesn't have to pay the cost of giving up Jesus. This brings me to my kind of third subpoint that Jesus gives, uh, Stephen gives up everything but Jesus. And it's a fair trade. In fact, it's actually, Stephen gets the better end of the trade because he doesn't give up the king of the universe, the one who can pay back Stephen a billion times fold. Uh, maybe, uh, I kind of want to look at what Stephen did in this passage because it, it's, it's amazing, it's beautiful. Maybe you've heard this phrase. It's kind of a silly phrase. Uh, it was popular when I was growing up. It's the phrase WWJD, what would Jesus do? It was very popular, I guess, when I was a teenager uh, to get like WWJD bracelets. And you could put it on your arm. And uh, and then if you got into like a morally ambiguous situation, you could look down at your wrist and be like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. You know, I'm supposed to do whatever Jesus would do. Like, you know, uh, should I take this girl to the prom or eat these cookies? Well, what would Jesus do? Or should I speed on the way to church? Well, what would Jesus do? And I'm not exactly sure that's what the Bible calls us to do. Um, uh, but uh, I think it's interesting because Stephen literally did what Jesus did. I want us to kind of take a, a, a closer look at the actions that Stephen does in our passage. See, in Matthew 26, verse 59, Jesus was dragged before the Sanhedrin for an unfair trial. 
Stephen was dragged before the Sanhedrin for an unfair trial. In Matthew 26, verse 60, Jesus was accused by false witnesses. In Acts chapter 6, Stephen was accused by false witnesses. In Matthew 26, 61, Jesus was falsely accused of wanting to destroy the temple. In Acts chapter 6, Stephen is falsely accused of wanting to destroy the temple. In Matthew 26, 65, Jesus was charged with blasphemy, cursing God's name, with uh, dishonoring God's name, and that is exactly what Stephen was blamed uh, uh, for, was accused of in Acts chapter 6. What would Jesus do? Well, what would Stephen do? <laughs> Stephen literally followed Christ, doing the things that Jesus did. Stephen imitated Jesus. Look at this. This one's the most beautiful. It just it speaks to my heart. Matthew 7, 59 through 60. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So this is the end of Acts 7. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. It means he died. So what does Stephen do? He commits his spirit to the Lord. He prays that God would not hold against his aggressors their sins, and then he dies. And you remember what Jesus did when he was hanging on the cross? Luke 23, 34, and 46 say, Jesus said, as he's hanging on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed this last. Stephen gives up everything but Jesus. He just simply follows the way of Jesus. He follows the teaching of Jesus. He follows the example of Jesus. Maybe he was afraid, but he was incredibly courageous. Uh, as he followed Christ all the way to the end. As we look at this passage, and you think about the ways that you are trying to pick up your cross daily and follow Jesus, maybe you're thinking of all the wrongdoings you have encountered or the injustices that you have felt, you have an opportunity. You have an opportunity to do exactly what Stephen did and say, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. This is your opportunity to follow Jesus, to imitate Stephen, to imitate Christ. Father, forgive my family, forgive my co-workers, forgive my neighbor, forgive those who wrong me and hurt me because they do not know what they are doing. Forgive them, Father, because you have forgiven me. You've forgiven me so much in Christ Jesus. How can I not forgive them? And so, wouldn't it be amazing if as people looked at us in our lives, uh, <laughs> they didn't need a WWJD bracelet. If they could just see the example of Christ, that they could see that we really do love God and that we really do love and care for the poor and the needy and, and those that have experienced injustice in our communities and uh, those who are experiencing wrongs, that they look at us and say, wow, that person really cares. That person really seems to know God, to know, like they, they talk about Christ Jesus as if he's real. Maybe I should take this seriously. It's not just a religious game. They know Jesus, and I want to experience that. Wouldn't that be amazing if that's how people responded when they saw us, when they saw us living our lives? I hope that we can do this. But I want to tell you right now, we can't do it just on our like best Christian day. 
The problem with the WWJD bracelet is, is it it's it they kind of um, they kind of limit it to just my actions, right? What would I what can I do to follow Jesus? Now, you know, I, I don't want to throw it under the bus, but maybe if it said like, what would Jesus do empowered by the Holy Spirit, <laughs> right? Uh, or what 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 would what can you do to follow Christ? as the Holy Spirit helps you along. See, we can't do this on our own. We need God's help. Uh, we need God's help. Uh, we were actually in Christian education hour, we were talking about how the, the people are supposed to obey God's law as they go into the promised land, right? As they're uh, following Joshua into the promised land, he says like, you're, you're gonna obey these. Then he's like, no, you're actually not gonna obey these commands. You're not gonna follow God. And, and that's the same with us. We're called to a follow Christ, uh, but in our own power, we're not going to do it. <laughs> we're not going to obey Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. We got God's Holy Spirit if we know Christ. The Holy Spirit empowers us. He, he, he kind of comes and fills us and, and helps us follow Jesus. Uh, see, the Holy Spirit makes following Jesus possible. Uh, and that's how Peter, uh, that's not how Peter, that's how Stephen was described. He was described as full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, Acts 6, 5. This proposal <clears throat> pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And if you remember in verse 8, it says, Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, that's the power of the Holy Spirit, performed great wonders and signs among the people. See, he just had the Holy Spirit. He was full of the Holy Spirit, and that enabled him to follow Jesus. And so that's what we need. If you're like struggling to follow Christ, to know him, to believe in him, to obey him, pray for the Holy Spirit to help you. I can't do it in my own power, God. I need your help because in my own power, I'm just gonna, just gonna mess it up. I'm gonna uh, do things that I shouldn't do. I just want to follow Jesus. See, this tells us that Stephen wasn't just a good man, right? He wasn't just a noble man that we're supposed to follow his example. He was a man full of the Holy Spirit, who became good by a work of Christ. He became good because he was forgiven by Jesus. He was transformed by God, and that's what enabled him to do this, this amazing act of laying down his life, of following Jesus all the way to the cross. Uh, and so th as, as you and I, I just want to encourage each one of us to, to really seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to seek to know God and experience his Holy Spirit empowering our lives. And uh, so I've been reading a book for my doctorate of ministry uh, program recently, and I've read this book before. It's one of my favorite books, actually. It's called The Art of Pastoring. Uh, maybe you're like, Jonathan, you're really into art these days. And not, it's not about art pictures. It's just about like the art of pastoring and, and uh, kind of what, what that means. And the author is a guy named David Hansen. And I actually saw him at Gordon Conwell once, uh, give a little talk. But he uh, pastored in Montana for like, I think it was like 10 years, something around that. And he just has a lot of reflections on his time there at these two small country churches. And he describes how he could look out his kitchen window and saw like this river and birds feeding there. And he would look at the different birds and kind of notice their differences. And he, he described the difference between geese and birds of prey. So uh, geese uh, have to flap. Maybe you've seen a, a geese recently, a, a goose recently, a geese recently. And you notice, like, when they fly, they're, they're constantly flapping. They're, they go fast, but they have to continually flap. And you contrast that with birds of prey. So maybe you've seen a bird of prey. Like, we, around here, we keep having a, um, like, a, a vulture circle around, and we keep joking. They're like, this is, like, we got to, like, <laughs> be careful in our yard uh, uh, because it's, like, this really big bird. 
uh, but he was talking about like hawks and eagles and how birds of prey, when they fly, they don't just flap their wings. Uh, they look for currents of hot air. They look for currents of hot air, and when they hit a current, it takes the bird of prey up, it takes the eagle up, it takes the hawk up, and it lifts them to new heights so they can soar incredibly high with very little effort. And it's from there that they do their hunting, that they, they look, and they, they look for prey. And he used that as an illustration for the Holy Spirit. Because we can go through life trying to follow Jesus, and man, we're just trying so hard. We're just flapping our wings, right? We're trying to look like Jesus hanging on the cross, and we look like, like a goose. We're just flapping our wings. And, uh, and, and yet, there is an opportunity if we were to pause and to look for the breath of life, to look for the Holy Spirit. The word for Holy Spirit is pneuma, uh, which is like uh, breath. It's like life, breath. The Holy Spirit can come and lift us up as the wind. That's another word for like the Holy Spirit. Uh, the same word, pneuma, I mean, can mean wind. It can lift us up, those streams of hot air, and take us to where God wants us. We just need to spend time seeking Him and, and knowing him. So uh, that's what I've been trying to do for you guys. I've been trying to spend some time in prayer, praying for uh, the church. I actually, um, uh, I want to continue to do that. And he would spend like 15 minutes every morning in prayer. And maybe that looks different for you. Maybe you spend five minutes. Maybe you uh, kind of work through the needs of the church or some other way during the week, or you, you pray in the evening. Uh, but it's just this time of intentionally seeking the Holy Spirit to lift you up, to carry your you forward. And uh, to be like a, uh, a bird of prey. Birds of prey, pray. <laughs> P-R-E-Y, P-R-A-Y. Birds of prey, pray. Uh, and so would that be uh, your encouragement? If you want to know Christ and follow him, pray. Seek the Holy Spirit. Be filled up with the, hold of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit makes following Jesus possible. And then following Jesus will change you. Acts 6, verse 15 says, All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. See, God did something in that moment. As he was put on the stand, as he was brought before the Sanhedrin, God filled him in a special way, in such a way that people could see it. They could see it, like the, 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 the light on Stephen's face. I think this was a supernatural light. I think this is a, a light... Uh, similar to something that had happened only twice before in the Bible. When Moses was taken up on Mount Sinai at Horeb, he experienced uh, God's grace. He experienced God's presence, and it literally changed his face. Exodus 34, 29. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets, the Ten Commandments of the Covenant Law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant. It was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. See, following God changed Moses. Experiencing God changed Moses. There's only one other person that kind of had their face lit up in a special moment, and that's actually Jesus. Luke 9, 29. As Jesus was praying, P-R-A-Y-I-N-G, the, the appearance of his face was changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. It's the transfiguration. Now, I'm not saying that if you... Uh, if you uh, spend time with Christ, like your face will be transformed, but it might, it might, as you're praying, something might change about what, what, uh, what you look like and what people perceive from you. 
maybe as you go throughout your day and you're having interactions with people and moments of hardship, like you have a peace, you have a calmness about you that just doesn't make sense by the world's standards. But because you have the Holy Spirit, because you know Jesus, you're able to respond differently. See, following Jesus is incredibly difficult. It's incredibly hard, but it's also incredibly easy. And it's incredibly good with the Holy Spirit. My yoke is easy. My burden is light, Jesus said to us. Why is this? Because Jesus gives himself to any who follow him. Jesus gives himself to any who follow him. Uh, I'm closing this message right now. I've probably gone a little long. Uh, but here's the question I want you to answer and I, I'd like you to think about. What does it mean for you to deny yourself, take up your cross, and daily follow Jesus? What does it mean to deny yourself, take up your cross, and daily follow Jesus? The World War II martyr Diedrich Bonhoeffer said, When Christ bids a man, he bids him come and die. When Christ bids a woman uh, come, he bids her come and die. When when Christ bids a, uh, a youth or a child uh, to follow him, uh, uh, he bids him or her come and die. And we're just following Jesus. Remember what Jesus did? Jesus took up his cross and he, uh, he wasn't able to carry it. It was so heavy and he was so wounded. Uh, but then he was crucified on, a, on a, a mountain called Golgotha a hill called Golgotha, the shape of a skull, apparently like a skull for some reason. He was crucified, and as he was on that tree, as he was on that cross, uh, he bore the full weight of God's wrath against our sins. That means that, God, uh, that Jesus bore God's judgment so that you and I, so that we don't have to hang on this cross. So that we don't have to uh, to be crucified. So that we don't have to experience God's judgment. Uh, you know, it's just a symbol, but uh, it, 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 it's a it's also uh, an altar where Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. He paid that ultimate sacrifice so that you don't have to experience the cross. So when you look at the cross, it can be uh, just a uh, uh, an object of grace and an object of mercy so that you can experience eternal life in Christ Jesus. I hope that if you don't know Jesus, that you will take the message of Jesus seriously. Uh, following and knowing Jesus is following him. It's obeying him. It's experiencing his grace. It's being full of the Holy Spirit. It's all sorts of things. But first of all, it's just repenting of your sins and believing in Jesus and receiving eternal life, receiving grace. Uh, and uh, it's not easy. Count the cost, Jesus says. Pick up your cross daily and follow him. Uh, but we do it empowered by the Holy Spirit. We do it day by day. And we follow Jesus because uh, Jesus gave up everything for us, right? We, we give up everything because he already gave everything to us. Right? He's given us himself and that's enough. All right, I think we've had enough today. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for God's grace. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for all the things Jesus has done for us. We love you so much. Uh, we're so grateful for everything Christ has done. Would you transform our hearts, transform our lives, transform our minds and mindsets? Uh, would we give you everything, Jesus? It's in your name we pray. Amen.